Now, I know our next speaker is going to be Rod Alcidonis. However, I have one thing to ask you people, and that is we have lots of people registered for our conference, but not so many at this evening's event. Hopefully, more will come. But ask your friends why they paid their money and aren't showing up. Um, so we can all do, um, although it's their loss, uh, not, you know, not yours, but, you know, it's, it's a curiosity. They could learn some interesting things by being here and they paid their money. So I just wonder why it's happening. Um, that being said, um, we've, we usually aren't this far ahead of schedule. Um, <laughs> and Rod's so- here, by the way. I'm sorry? Rod is here. I know. I saw that. So um, if Rod, if you want to um, come in and leave early or do whatever you want to do, if if, if you would like to um, speak, I'll just say that I can tell people that although um, Rod Alcidonis has been um, an advocate for visually impaired people and people with other handicaps as an attorney before he got this job, um, he is now the director of the Bureau of um, Blind and Blindness and Visual Services, and um, it's a person with a, a possibly different point of view than usually is in that kind of a situation because he was on the other side of the fence, so to speak, when he was doing his other work. Um, but he can address all that when he speaks, and hopefully that will be now. So I give you Rod if he wants to unmute himself. Absolutely, and and thanks for the kind introduction. Um, I hope I, you know the, the audio is good and everybody can hear me. Yep, sounds good. Absolutely. Well, it's my pleasure being here. Uh, it's uh, the preference would have been to be in person, uh, but unfortunately, because of the COVID situation, we have to actually. Uh, you know, be uh, uh, conversing in this in this way, but it's it's really my pleasure being here. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited about uh, you know some of the things that I think would be possible. You know, as uh, as part of the the work of uh, of uh, advancing the interest of the blind. Um, you know, a, a bit about me, um, and, and and I'll be glad to take questions after. Afterwards, and, and if anybody has any any questions I can't answer, I will uh, promise you in advance to actually get uh, the information for you. Um, yes, be, before before I took the job with uh, with uh, the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, um, uh, most recently I was uh, doing accessible housing work uh, on behalf of the Department of Human Services and the Pennsylvania Housing Finance Agency. Uh, so a lot of my work was accessible housing advocacy uh, and policy work uh, based in uh, uh, my office was based in, in Philadelphia uh, and uh, we covered the entire Commonwealth. And prior to that, I practiced law in the greater Philadelphia area for, you know, close to 10 years. And, uh, you know, I, I bring a lifetime of, uh, of, um, uh, advocacy experience on behalf of all individuals with all types of disabilities, uh, be it uh, in the courtroom or 
you know, in, 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 in previous life, uh, in, in, in different places, being in D.C. or uh, in, in legislative offices. So uh, I am also a person who is blind. So the, my experiences are personal and as well as professional. Um, you know, it's, uh, I tend to say that I have a vested interest uh, to seeing that uh, services that are delivered um, to advance the interest, the employment interest of individuals who are blind and the independence of those uh, without an employment goal uh, is really vested in the sense that uh, I tend to, uh, you know, be, I, I tend to have uh, sufficient credibility uh, to speak um, uh, based on personal experiences, either from years ago or uh, those that would have been most recent. So the challenges of what it means to be blind, of what it means to be uh, uh, employed, to be seeking employment, uh, to be uh, underestimated, to be dis- you know, uh, um, counted out. Those are personal experiences that I think we all share. And it, it does enhance the perspective uh, when someone in my position in that role actually can speak credibly uh, to some of those uh, challenges that, uh, you know, the blind and visually impaired individuals face uh, uh, on a daily basis. Um, the, you know, the, the COVID situation, of course, have, dis- you know, has disrupted, you know, what would have been uh, my, my plan, my initial plan, uh, you know, when I first applied for the job. Um, but, you know, I tend to look at uh, the positive things uh, that that can come out of challenges. So, um, you know, part of uh, what's happening at BBVS is that uh, we are leveraging, you know, all the incidental benefits of COVID uh, um, to really engage in programming uh, that would um, uh, advance the interests of the blind in terms of uh, uh, um, getting folks employed. Um, I took the job for many, many years. Uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, the un- unemployment statistics for, for the blind is unacceptable. Um, it's, it's, it's not just unacceptable. I, I, I don't think it, it, it has been, uh, I don't think it would be, cap- I, I don't think one would be capable uh, uh, to argue successfully that uh, the blind is currently successfully employed. Uh, so part of my ambition in this job, in this role, is to really work uh, uh, um, is to really work as hard as possible to see how much of that statistic can I reduce uh, by virtue of, of the existing programming and uh, other uh, initiatives that can uh, uh, become part of the uh, uh, the challenge. Um, as you know, the the title of this conference. Uh, it, you know, illustrates is 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 uh, there are tons of uh, distances that we have to bridge in order to get uh, to that level. Um, you know the uh, you know the the uh, the distance between ability and disability or inability. Uh, those are uh, barriers uh, that have stayed in the paths of success uh, for individuals with disabilities. You know, distances uh, between opportunities and, and uh, you know, the uh, low expectation uh, that has been associated with blindness, in, in fact, that has been uh, pervasive uh, in societal affairs. 
you know, those are all uh, distances that uh, uh, we, we will need to work as hard as possible to, uh, to, uh, to bridge so that the reality of the blind being employed is, uh, you know, can be a reality. Um, you know, when I took this job, I, you know, I said uh, one of the things I want to do is help the blind to exceed the dimensions of their imagination uh, because that's how I did it. Uh, you know, uh, depending on your training, depending on when you became blind, uh, you, you, there's the, um, there's the, the, the tendency uh, sometimes being intentional or accidentally uh, to box yourself into, a, into a, a box that is sufficiently limited in dimensions. So part of my work, uh, you know, during my tenure uh, at BVVS is to try to expand that box, to, to try to create programming, you know, that allows folks to exceed uh, those dimensions. And, and I do think it's, a, it's an exercise in imagining. Uh, it's about uh, thinking that I can do it, um, that I won't let anybody tell me I can't. Uh, it's about uh, knowing that the measure of your success uh, cannot uh, be determined by somebody else's uh, thought process uh, because the endurance of how far you can go ultimately is, 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 um, is aligned uh, with the energy you want to put into it, the time you want to put into it, and how hard you want to work for it. So those are the, um, the, the things that I will be uh, working to, uh, to promote at, at BVBS in, in terms of uh, uh, um, you know, promoting Braille as a, a, a tool of literacy for blind and visually impaired individuals. It needs to be part of the conversation. Uh, it's important for technology to prevail, uh, but you know the the, the the job prospects can sometimes be limited uh, if uh, you know individuals aren't uh, taught how to read braille. Uh, so I'm I'm promoting in 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 in, in some cases um, requiring that the quota funds are used uh, not just to purchase. Uh, braille paper and other, you know, smaller items for uh, students uh, with visual impairment, but they should go towards purchasing, uh, um, you know, braille displays uh, and other equipment uh, that would, uh, you know, has, that has a direct correlation to the future employment prospects of individuals uh, uh, who are blind. Um, um, currently, you know, one of the, the situation I inherited was, uh, you know, because of the COVID situation, um, you know, uh, uh, orientation and mobility instructions and, and uh, uh, um, vocational rehab teaching, uh, you know, were uh, essentially being pro uh, provided to uh, uh, customers over, over the, the phone and sometimes over video and different things because of the uh, you know, the current restrictions as far as staff traveling. Um, I took uh, the immediate initiative back in July and uh, worked uh, with uh, internally and, and, and with other uh, government agencies and developed guidance to get folks in the field. Because in addition to Braille, uh, orientation and mobility instruction is another tool of independence that, um, if not tapped into, uh, would frustrate the employment prospects of individuals who are blind, be it uh, those who are currently uh, on campuses, uh, um, 
uh, on college campuses and in other places of learning, uh, those who are seeking employment, uh, those who are uh, um, in need of those services to remain independent, uh, whose safety could be jeopardized if it's not uh, uh, provided. Uh, those things animated my, uh, my thought process immediately. Um, so right now I'm actually waiting for uh, the uh, guidance that has been developed uh, to get those professionals back in the field uh, to provide services. Uh, uh, I'm waiting for those guidance to be uh, approved at a higher level uh, in government before uh, we can get those professionals in the field. Um, and, you know, other things that we're doing is actually rethinking uh, the VR experience for uh, the blind and visually impaired individuals. You know, COVID has changed the world. Uh, and my message to, uh, to the staff and the message, uh, the guidance that's been given to me uh, from above is that uh, we need to rethink how we deliver services, you know, post, in a post-COVID world. Uh, we need to uh, enhance uh, programming and operational practices where possible. But we also have to be proactive in aden- identifying some of the incidental benefits of COVID, uh, one of which uh, that I am uh, um, uh, giving uh, um, a thought process to is the fact that transportation uh, used to be and has been uh, one of the major barriers to uh, a a blind and visually impaired person uh, uh, securing successful employment, depending on which region uh, they would be uh, trying. Now, with COVID, a lot of companies are changing their policies. You know, they, they, they have virtual policies that are being made permanent. And, you know, as you and I know, uh, one of the problems that the blind doesn't have is being talented. So the talent is there and the policies are being changed. And the VR system has to update itself and upgrade its policies and practices so that we can match those two and bridge those dis- distances. So, you know, in terms of, um, you know, the uh, business enterprise program, uh, you know, typically it's a program that's, that's been hands-on. Uh, you know, you go, to a, uh, you go to a facility and you provide services. Well, that has been disrupted. Uh, I don't think business will uh, return as normal in terms of uh, BP operators being able to go and continue to provide a similar set of, uh, of, of, of vending services to a facility. So I've challenged them to reimagine their business model so that um, they, you know, post-COVID, uh, the program can, can be modernized. It can look uh, different. It can operate differently in so many ways. And, and, and another thing that I'm doing with uh, uh, the BEP program is that, um, you know, the, the other characteristics uh, that we know it can be associated with all of us is that we are ambitious. Uh, we are determined uh, and, and, and um, you know, because of the challenges of blindness, we are problem solvers. And inherent in those characteristics uh, really is, is, you know, are the same characteristics that the successful entrepreneur uh, would, you know, would use to be successful. So I'm looking at self-employment as an avenue for the blind to become successful. Now, the data is there. Um, you know, the BEP program has existed for many, many years. The data has never been formally and systematically crunched 
to really uh, extract or extrapolate the successful successful model that has allowed the blind to be as successful as it is in business, Um, be it as limited in in, in terms of, uh, you know, the program being limited to uh, serving of food in, in, in other, other uh, uh, consumables. I'm looking to propel uh, that understanding so that it's not just food. Uh, I see blind people uh, having eBay stores, having different types of businesses that goes beyond uh, just facilities. But with that, we need to leverage uh, uh, the data that currently exists. Uh, uh, we need to wrestle with that so that we can extract what is it about the BEP program that, that can create um, some form of a startup understanding for someone who desires to go into self-employment so they're not starting at, you know, from scratch. So I'm looking at that. I'm also looking at the children program. Um, you know, the Summer Academy, for example, uh, that, uh, that program has has been an in-person program. And, and, and because of the uncertainty of COVID, uh, it, it's hard to uh, generate a scenario where uh, you can confidently say, you know, let's hold the program in hope that, you know, X amount of kids will come up. And we know because, you know, in those environments, teaching is done tactically. So the concerns, the inability to really ascertain some of the concerns led me to uh, challenge my staff to come up with virtual programming that speaks to the independence and, 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 uh, of individuals uh, who are blind and visually impaired. And so we are leveraging the activities of the pre-employment transition services um, slate of uh, activities uh, to have temporary uh, um, programming in place so that if should we not be able to return in person uh, at any given, you know, in, in the foreseeable future, you know, kids are still being served and, um, and still have some built-in O&M components uh, to that which we offer to, uh, to kids virtually. Uh, employer engagement is another major component of my, my plan in terms of engaging employers, not just for the, uh, as good as they are uh, for individuals with, the skill set commensurate with those positions, but beyond the low-skill uh, entry-level positions. Because as I know, and as you know, you know, blind people are talented. And, uh, you know, during my tenure here, I will not be satisfied to see any blind individual with a college degree unable to get successful employment because they have not been exposed to employment that is commensurate with their skill set and, and experiences. So I will be engaging in, 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 in initiatives uh, to, um, to enhance the employer engagement to create opportunities for those individuals, be it with inter-agency uh, uh, partnership um, in terms of uh, you know, having uh, uh, on the job type of experiences, uh, internship opportunities, apprenticeships, and, and as, I've, uh, as I've shared with you, employment, uh, self-employment opportunities in, in, uh, in different aspects of programming that can get individuals employed. Uh, the ILOV program, uh, I'm looking at that as well to make sure that funding um, 
the allocation of funds is consistent and aligned with the demographic needs uh, of that population. Uh, it, it's a smaller program, uh, but uh, one of the things that I will be looking uh, uh, to do in, 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 in having conversations down the road is to really look at, you know, are we, um, can we serve uh, more individuals with what we have? Um, so I'm going to be looking at other, other, any, any other ways that we can modernize, you know, enhance uh, um, uh, the understanding so that uh, we can provide services there as well. Um, and, you know, outreach is also another uh, important, important component of, uh, of my, uh, my, my plan. Uh, I want to be talking with stakeholders. I want to hear your recommendations. Um, I want to. Uh, I, I want to. I want to be challenged in the sense that um, if anything can be done to really get blind and visually impaired individuals employed, I want to push it. I want to fight for it. I want to advocate for it uh, because, as I said to my staff. I could care less if the best ideas come from me. You know, the test of leadership for me is whether I make those best ideas uh, executable in the sense that they enhance the employment prospects of individuals who are blind. Uh, so I am genuinely and ambitiously waiting for, uh, you know, recommendations uh, that can be looked at, that can be evaluated, assessed, and if appropriate, uh, be incorporated into programming. Uh, in addition to that, uh, partnership is important to me. I've begun uh, reaching out uh, to some of you, um, and, 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 and I will continue to do so, uh, because if, if, it, if it's me alone, uh, there's only so many things I can accomplish. Uh, but in the spirit of partnership, uh, in the spirit of listening and conversing, debating, um, and brainstorming, I, I do believe uh, that the environment is uh, suitable and prop properly aligned uh, for me to be successful and for uh, blind and visually impaired Pennsylvanians to be uh, successful as well. But uh, the, the level of partnership is required uh, and not just suggested. Uh, so that we can uh, we we can make progress uh, and, and look at the uh, uh, the the experience in a different way. So these are uh, some of the uh, the thing that things that I'm currently working on. Um, in addition to my own list, I have been challenging my staff to think of different ways to do business uh, in terms of uh, you know. Um, things that we couldn't do um, uh, uh, during COVID that we're going to have to find different ways uh, for doing it. Uh, so um, realize that I didn't give you a whole lot of uh, numbers and statistics. Um, those are available, but I think, um, you know, one of the things I want to do, uh, you know, while at the helm is really to tell the story of BVS is really to to create the sense of visibility uh, because the numbers can easily be extracted out of the database. And I don't think, um, I don't think that would be 
uh, of sufficient sufficient satisfaction uh, to me. Um, suffice to say that um, referrals are low uh, because are lower because of the COVID situation. Um, and one of the things that I'm also troubleshooting uh, internally is looking at uh, the application experience for uh, blind and visually impaired individuals. You know, I'm questioning the data. You know, is, uh, uh, is the referral down just because of COVID? Genuinely, I know it's because of COVID, but do we have other contributing factors that might be getting in the way of the, you know, blind and visually impaired individuals applying for services? I have the full support of leadership to engage in that uh, um, inquiry. Uh, and we are looking at internal processes. We are looking at internal uh, systems, the accessibility of them uh, and, and the design of them uh, to ensure that you know, the experience is, is consistent in that uh, you know, we are not leaving any customer at the door who's trying to look for services. Those are the conversations I will be having with you. Um, I will always have the data and statistics in my pocket somewhere, uh, be it we are in person. Uh, but I really want to engage in, in, in the storytelling, in bringing in the, into the open that which I think uh, will get blind people employed. Uh, with that, uh, I am glad to take your questions. I'm glad to uh, interact with you, and and um, and uh, uh, I'll pass it back to you. Okay, we have a question here from Joseph. Hello, um, Mr. Saltunas. I deeply respect the advocacy work that you have done, and I want to apologize for any hurt I've caused your agency when I had to to settle a situation when I got hurt in an accident without going into the details which would not be right for this evening my hope would be that there, that you can have a stronger legal department so that when lawyers who know nothing about what you do and why you do it can clearly understand what your policies are and uh, so that so that the, per the, 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 the person that's actually involved can exercise some choice and be able to deal with the pressures that come with family. Now, my general question, uh, I've noticed after college um, and going to Arkansas and Enterprises for the Blind, I think one area that we need to be better in is to be able to handle the, the aptitude tests that come up no matter where you go, so that as time goes on, you become better to be able to uh, handle those situations. It's not a, a bad thing to, to fail at one because that's the only way you're going to learn. So forgive, forgive, forgive um, my overexpression and my questions, and I, I respect you very much. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joe, for your question. Um, I, you know, in terms of testing and, 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 and overall, uh, I do think uh, there has been some progress made along the way, but I don't think we are there yet uh, in the sense that, um, 
you know, an aptitude test should be testing whether one is capable of performing uh, 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 the task, uh, be it an entrance exam or any other types of uh, uh, such testing, but it shouldn't be, uh, to, you know, for one to struggle um, uh, to um, demonstrate how blind you are and, and how blind you are not. Uh, so I do think uh, we, they, there's work left to be there, uh, to be done in that uh, in that territory. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, um, because of the problem-solving skills of, of, of individuals who are blind and visually impaired, uh, in, in spite of those challenges, uh, I know that uh, we are still striving and making progress. Uh, so I, 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 I welcome your comment, and, and, and I, I wish you, um, I wish you well with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, this situation. Phone number ending in 042, please. This is Tammy, and I have a two-part question. My question is with newly blinded um, people, what's being done for, in that program and the 55 and older people? Thank you, Tammy. Uh, that's the ILOB program. Um, the, the, you know, the, the newly blinded, um, you know, the, the, the experiences are such that it's uh, typically, it's about adjustment to blindness, it's about independence, and different things too. It's about safety. Um, so what tends to happen in those cases is that uh, if the person is interested in, in O&M, uh, you know, once they would have applied and the case would have been created and eligibility would have been determined, uh, if they would be interested in, 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 in um, independence or an O&M uh, instructor could be assigned to them, uh, you have, the, you know, uh, vision, vision rehab teaching can be assigned uh, to go to that person's home and, you know, teach them how to use the stove to the extent that is safe, is safe activity and physically possible. And, uh, and, and if you have a situation where the person still has usable vision, uh, there might be procurement, uh, you know, of assistive devices to actually get, um, you know, get the person to, to a point of where they can uh, um, be able to read. Now, one of the challenges we have with the ILRB program is that it's this program that is, uh, it's a very small grant in the sense that uh, part of the challenges uh, either uh, in the past or while I've been here is really how can you uh, uh, provide robust and complete services to everybody uh, when you have limited funds? And that's uh, the exercise that I'm, I'm currently engaging in to see, is there a way that we can do that? Um, and, 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 you know, other states have tried. Um, and across the board, it's a challenging program in the sense that the funding is not consistent with the actual need. Uh, but I'm willing to look at it. And that's, uh, that's part of the work I'm currently doing right now. And what about the 55 and older? Um, program is does the state of Pennsylvania have anything like that? Yeah, that's the one I just described to you. That's the independent okay. living older blind uh, program. Okay. Thank you. 
My pleasure. Well, I have a question, if nobody else is going to ask you. Um, where do we stand on order of selection? The, uh, I don't have the latest number with me, uh, but progressively the order of selection has been uh, um, uh, we've been getting uh, folks off off the list uh, pretty much con- consistently over the last two months. I know we had a bunch that came off in August. I don't have the latest number with me, but I, I do believe if you look at the entire OVR, it's uh, uh, it's probably in in the thousand or two uh, that's left. Uh, but I, I don't want to speak. Spe- I don't want to speak specific to uh, to the number there because I, I don't have it with me. But it's it's certainly information that can be provided. Chris, I just got unmuted. Okay, <laughs> ask your question. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Ron. It's very nice to meet you. Um, and my uh, it's, a, it's a part of question is really about preparation for people to get employed as far as training. As you know, that well, the advantage of uh, the situation, if you want to call it that, with COVID, is that the opportunities for working, um, for you know, working remotely or working in situations where transportation is no longer an issue, but that involves technology. And so, with that said, um, what strategies do you have to um, you know provide uh, adequate assistive technology training for people to work in a competitive uh, workplace for of today? Excellent question. Um, well, look at it in, in, in multiple ways. Uh, the first way is, is once the person becomes eligible, um, my you know my messaging to the staff is that um, you know we need to rethink things. So in terms of uh, I ta- I tend to talk to them about informed informed choice. Uh, what I meant by that is. Um, where the counseling and guidance takes place is really to to have a, a, an interactive conversations with the assistive technology evaluation folks so that they can bring their knowledge up to date in terms of, you know, what would someone need in the age of COVID to truly be successful? So that's when you're looking at it, at the, you know, from the VR perspective. Um, in terms of pre-employment transition services for uh, um, transitioning youth, uh, part of the programming we are working on uh, will have specific uh, technology training exposure component to it. Um, I will be working. I will also be working on uh, initiative uh, that is specific to digital access type of technology uh, to allow um, you know blind and visually impaired individuals to to have that that form of training. Um, I'm also talking with. Um, um, individuals who uh, uh, vendors who've uh, provided services uh, and to learn about you know the, their the level of, of, of training they are still um, providing in, in, in encouraging the conversation that it needs to be enhanced it needs to be uh, improved it needs to be uh, uh, more robust so that it's in keeping with the expectation of uh, you know some of the successes that we might be able to enjoy on the other side of COVID. So it depends on where the customer is in the process uh, and pretty much what's out there. We also have the job retention uh, type of um, uh, 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 programming as well. 
um, that, um, you know, if an individual's job is in jeopardy because, you know, uh, because of the person's blindness and it can be resolved with technology, um, you know, the, the, the intention is to get in there as quickly as possible to provide those technology so that the person, the person remains employed. So those are some of the, uh, some of the ways that, I, that it's currently being done either within the VR experience itself and other things that I'm working on. I have a part two to that question, my question. Um, it, I know that OVR uh, provides um, training uh, with uh, you know, providers that are, are specialists and are trained, and their fee structure is very different than the providers uh, that are doing the training under BVS. Um, it's a substantially lower hourly rate um, for persons working in the blindness and vision impairment uh, area of OVR. Um, has there been any thought about an encouraging professional trainers in this field working in assistive technology and also uh, for any type of compensation that is uh, considerably you know, similar to or a competitive with those professionals working in the OVR sector? It's not a conversation I have yet um, had uh, with those. And keep in mind, I've only been here for yes, I four and a half months. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I'm trying to, to touch as many things, but not too many. So if I break something, I can put it back together. So it's not a conversation that, uh, you know, I've specifically had. Uh, but as part of uh, program evaluations, I am looking at the entire program. I'm not looking at just, um, you know, one aspect of it. I, I tend to look at, um, you know, the, I, I go to the history um, and, and look at how it evolves and where we are uh, in 2020, about to be 2021. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Will, please. Hi. Um, so I'll, I'll probably be a little all over the place here, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. So I'm 67, and, and in listening to your talk, um, my impression is that that your real focus is on education for youth and for people that are employable. And as a, someone who is post-65, uh, I'm no longer interested in being employable. Um, however, I do feel like many people in, in my community of people who have lost their vision post 65 do feel like there's um, that we're, we're ignored to a certain extent. And it often takes a long time to access your services. I, I understand that there are issues uh, primarily with funding and it almost seems there, there needs to be three of you. Um, one to handle the, the, the education portion for youth um, one to handle those who are going to seek employment, and then one also to deal with people who have lose vision later in life. And so um, I'm not exactly sure what my, my question is going to be here, but I, I go to a, a support group here in Chester County on a regular basis, and we're doing it virtually right now. And, and one of my friends tends to refer to the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services as the Bureau of Blindness and No Visual Services because he's been very frustrated in the length of time it's taken him to, to get any services. I, I have taken benefit of your service and I've gotten an iPad and I've gotten orientation and mobility training, but I was also extremely patient, like months and months and months of patience in order to get those services. So I, I guess I, I really want to emphasize 
uh, the importance of recognizing the 65 and plus community and making sure that that we don't get the double whammy of losing our vision later in life. And then also because we are seniors being treated as second class citizens. And so I, I hope that, that you in some way can figure out a way to handle that uh, and improve the level of service for older adults. That, that's, that's an excellent question. And, and uh, you, you initially you said you would be all over the place. I don't think you've been. I, I think it's, um, you know, you just present multiple challenges that I think that, are, that have been part of the VR process. And as well as the, if you look at not just the VR, the, the, even the other programming that BBVS has uh, for many, many years, uh, part of it is funding. Uh, ILLB, for example, I can tell you that it, it's really funding. I don't think there's a desire, um, you know, not to serve. At least uh, I wouldn't be here if that were the case. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that. I think a big um, part of it is that that our legislative branch just doesn't support, doesn't recognize um, the level of of need that exists for for services. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's it's really the resources that you are given and how much can you do with it. And we know that the need in Pennsylvania specific is very acute in terms of the senior population. Um, you know, so there comes a time that um, you can only do what you can do. But, uh, you know, as I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not content in the sense that uh, I can sit and not look at it. Uh, I, t- I, brought, I brought to, the, uh, to uh, the position a fresh and different perspective is I didn't uh, come from the VR uh, world. Um, so I, I really want to take a look at this, this program and see how we, how can we, we re, you know, utilize a funding to ensure that um, to the extent that services are limited, the senior population understands why, uh, but uh, the sense of being ignored, the sense of being, uh, uh, um, 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 uh, worked with as if uh, second-class citizen. Um, I don't think. I don't think those are those correlate with the current challenges. But the perception can become as uh, can become such if it's, if there's not a, you know some form of communication. Uh, if there's not a conversation where there's transparency in, in terms of uh, you know cons- stakeholders and consumers understand exactly what's being done. That perception can exist, and, and, and part of what I will be doing is in conversations like this. I want to be transparent with you. And, um, and the, the the other component of your question was with regards to my focus. My focus is on everybody with a visual employment and uh, and um, either looking for employment, a need to be independent, and as well as uh, who would fit uh, the description of a. A uh, person who's 55 and above. Um, I tend to have more resources uh, at my disposal to focus uh, more heavily uh, on the employment because we're talking about the VR experience. Whereas the other programs, um, the the resources are more limited. So it's not that the focus is diminished. It's just consistent uh, with, you know, with, uh, with the reality. But we do have uh, uh, a, a small program that can assist individuals who are 18 and between 18 and 55. Um, 
you know, who would be interested in, in some form of independence. Uh, but it's really the measure of what's possible that really dictates where the energy goes. So it's not really an intention to, uh, to only focus on one group and not the other. And are, are you able to um, look at other states, identify other states that are doing this particularly well, perhaps in, in spite of funding issues, um, but, but are doing a good job of serving all three categories and then, and then trying to implement those here in Pennsylvania? Oh, yes. I'm, I've been in conversation with my counterparts in, in different states, and I'm continuing that conversation as we speak. Um, in, in about a month and a half, I will be attending the, uh, the NCSAB conference, which is a, a national organization of, of uh, individuals who are in my position. The, the challenge you, you have is that you only can look at certain states, at least that's been my experience as I'm, as, as I'm crunching data. Because Pennsylvania is so unique in, in, in the sense of its, you know, demographic, uh, demographic and different things. So, you, you know, certain states can give the appearance that they might be managing better. But when you put the elements of the uniqueness of Pennsylvania into it, uh, the challenges become uh, uh, a bit different. But that there's, there's learning to be done. Uh, there are information to be, uh, to be had. And um, I'm, I'm seeking them and I'm speaking with my counterparts and wherever uh, we can find ideas that can be incorporated, uh, you know, those, those will be part of, the, you know, part of what gets done. Um, I just want to say that we don't have a lot more time, but I know Sue Lichtenfeld has her hand up. So if Sue could ask your question. I will ask. My daughter's playing the trombone in the background, so I hope oh. you can't hear that. Um, my question, Rod, was... Um, how much have you all taken advantage of virtual learning and virtual teaching um, with regard to uh, vision rehabilitation skills? You know, is it possible to uh, do them over? <sighs> oh, can you guys still hear me? Okay. Can you still hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. It, it just told me my microphone was muted. Um, <laughs> how much of that can be done um, virtually, like through Zoom or whatever platform you guys use? Uh, I'm just thinking, is it possible if people have someone in their home who is sighted, who is able to help them um, learn the skills, can a teacher do that virtually? Excellent question, and, and it's being done in two ways. One, it should be that should be happening right now in terms of uh, as much virtual services that can be provided should be provided. Um, that's that's the first part to to my response. The second part is that, as I shared at the uh, beginning, uh, we have uh, uh, um, uh, uh, drafted guidance and trying to uh, um, get folks back in the field as soon as it is determined to be. Um, feasible uh, by um, folks above me and, um, you know, to see if we can get those services. Um, the, uh, the third aspect of that question is that um, I'm exploring even the use of, uh, can we incorporate technology in, in the transaction to allow someone who might be a vocational rehab teacher with a visual impairment also be able to 
provide the services because what what tends to happen is that um, if the person is unable to see what's happening on the other side, uh, you can't even tell if the family member is in fact demonstrating uh, the right way. Uh, so you might think you are teaching proper skills and you you might uh, be placing someone in jeopardy. So all of those things are part of the calculation as I look at how do we virtualize services, especially for those who are blind and visually impaired. So it, it's it's happening. The conversation is being had. Um, it, you know, I'm actively having those conversations, but it needs to be done in such a way that either you don't place someone's uh, safety into in jeopardy, but you are as well not teaching skills that may be taught in a, incorrectly uh, and, and uh, give the person a false sense of independence. And we have phone number 758, please. Can you hear me now, Barbara? Mark? Yes. Hello? Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I feel like that gentleman feels. I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and it was also the same thing. Uh, waiting and waiting and waiting and then not getting the proper services. My uh, mother is in Tucson, Arizona, uh, also post-65, and she was able to get all the services that she needed. So I guess it's along the lines that you were talking about that some states, you know, do things differently. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, every state does, uh, you know, things differently. The point I was making is that if a state is doing something that actually works and it's incorporatable, it's implementable, it's uh, um, it's possible to be uh, a part of the, the way we do things in Pennsylvania. If it's if it's been proven to work, I'm all for it. Um, but what I'm saying is that we can't, replicate other states without questioning what's the underlying success uh, because we have unique uh, unique challenges uh, within Pennsylvania. So the data is really important to me, and I'm, I'm looking at that very hard. Okay, thank you. Rod, I hate to tell you this, but it's 742, and your time is up. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, feel free to always ask me to come back, even if it's not at a conference anywhere. Oh, good. We can bring you into into weekend into uh, weeknight conference calls every so often. Ah, <laughs> if I'm needed, you know where to find me. It's been a pleasure. You're in my phone. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much.